This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. Just after 12 o'clock, what's up, Toronto? This is Toronto Today, TSN 1050. Gareth Wheeler with you for the next hour. Coming up later this hour, is it time to make hockey violent again? Owner of Violent Gentlemen, the clothing line Mike Hammer, what a name, will join me in about 30 minutes' time. James Myrtle of The Athletic Toronto, he's going to join me in about 10 minutes, and we're going to discuss the Maple Leafs. The roster as it stands right now, how good is this team? That's our poll question today. Are they a contender, a definite playoff team, a bubble team, or out of the playoffs? You can cast your vote at Wheeler TSN. Thus far, a definite playoff team, 52%. With a blue line of Riley Gardner, Zaitsev, Hainsey, Carrick, and somebody, that team is apparently a definite playoff team. Interesting. I think that there's still one move away before I'm willing to say a definite playoff team, and they need another player on the back end. 32% say a bubble playoff team, 11% say a contender, 5% outside the playoffs. Cast your vote at Wheeler TSN. The text is 105050, the email live at tsn1050.ca. And the phone lines are open, got a couple callers waiting to get on. I want to hear from you as well. Do it right now before we guest ourselves up later on this hour. 416-870-1050 and toll free at 1-855-591-6876. Listen, I subscribe to the fact that we need to make hockey violent again. The sport is just all about speed now. It's not even so much about skill. I asked Josh Hosang of the New York Islanders, great interview. Check out her podcast yesterday. The guy's got a ton of personality. But whether the game is too fast. Because he said he wants to work on his speed. He's like, well, the best player in the game is really fast. And fair enough. Connor McDavid, the best player in hockey, won three awards last year. Extremely fast. But the problem isn't Connor McDavid's of the world. It's the rest. It's everyone else. When you skate around so fast and your hands can't catch up, you can't react. That's why you have such crappy low shooting percentages. Because things are going too fast. Guys can't even raise the puck. The elite level players, yeah, sure, they can play at that speed. But the rest of them, not so much. And what we see now is a lot of stick work, a lot of slashing, not a whole lot of hitting, certainly not a whole lot of fighting. Those things that made hockey the sport it was. And for me, unless hockey becomes more physical, more quote-unquote violent, you're lacking something. You're losing that part of the identity of the game. So we're going to discuss that. Do we have to make hockey violent again? 416-870-1050. And your thoughts on the Maple Leafs as well. We had Rob Longley on um, discussing the Blue Jays as well. We can get into that. I say they need a new stadium. Last weekend at Wrigley opened a lot of eyes what a true quintessential sporting experience is all about. And when the team's rolling, sure, you can tolerate the Sky Dome. It's not that bad. But it ain't Wrigley, it ain't Camden, it ain't PNC, it ain't any of these stadiums. And I think it all just leads down to one road. Time for a new baseball park. Team's making money. They're Canada's team. 
They're exceptionally popular. They're filling the joint. Imagine if it was like this character outdoor stadium that kind of was able to keep that atmosphere, keep that environment, no matter how good the team was. Uh, That's the goal, to provide the best experience possible. And right now, uh, it's completely lacking. So 416-870-1050 and toll-free at 1-855-591-6876. The text is 1050-50, the email live at tsn1050.ca. Start off with Brian in Toronto. Okay, Scrizzy. Brian in Toronto. Let's talk about hockey. Hey, Brian, what's going on, pal? Is it time that we make hockey violent again? Hey, thanks for taking my call. No problem, pal. Um, I, you know, that, that's, you talked earlier about violent being the, the right word, and, I, and I'm not sure if that's the right word. But two, two things as your conversation has gone on here, I remember and, and think about. And, and one is uh, a couple of years ago, and I think it's uh, 2013, when Boston beat Vancouver, and Brad Marchand uh, face-washed one of the Sedin twins for, you know, 10 seconds in front of the net. And, um, and nobody did anything on Vancouver about it. And I'm not, that's not to say later on uh, or the next season or something like that. These guys love each other and play for each other. But at that moment, when one of your team leaders is getting his face-washed, glove in the face by Marchand, and nobody's doing anything... Um, that's, I think that's a problem, whether that's violence or not. That something has to be done in a situation like that. Well, so, uh, and, 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 sorry, Brian, I'll let you continue. But what was the moment of these Stanley Cup Finals as well? It was Crosby and Subban mixing it up, rolling around behind the net. Some yeah. light, pun- light, light, light punches thrown. I mean, five years ago, that wouldn't even constitute a punch. Yet there we were, and then the Listerine joke, like. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's, I agree. Like, I agree. And, and, and for me, other, that's lacking something. And the other one I was talking about is, is, is when Dubinsky cross-checked Crosby in the back of the neck, and you know nobody really at the time did anything. And again, these players are tough, and they'll get a number, and they'll do stuff later and, and everything. Um, but I, I think at the crux of it is, is probably in the rules, which, which prevents a team, particularly in the playoff or in a, during a playoff push, of justice, which ultimately would keep everybody safer. You know, the, the justice, if you take liberties of the player and you don't worry about an instigator and putting your team down two minutes or more or whatever um, so you can get scored on, if, if you can go out and, and you're free to, to police yourselves, uh, I, I, I think that, that would make the game safer, and I'm sure you've heard that argument before. But in those cases, in playoffs or in, 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 in must-win kind of situations, Nobody's going to take that penalty. Right. Nobody's going to get the instigator and get kicked out and whatever. So I think I think it's in the rules and, and looking at the rules again and how they can let players take back more control of, of how they handle themselves might might be somewhere in an answer. Um, and and then the other thing is, I mean, I, I skated last night with a bunch of kids. I'm I'm 40 plus, and I skated with a bunch of you know former pros and then kids that are college players. Or, or rising up to, to, to start as freshmen in the U.S. and stuff like that. And these kids are so fast, and they are so skilled, and they do get shots on that. And the, the thing is that the, the, the ability for collisions and, and stuff along the boards isn't there because they're moving so fast. And um, so it, it kind of it, it, it's, it's tough because you're not, you just don't have contact because these guys are moving so fast. And then when you do, you know, it's, 
it stopped dead and it's an it's a head hit or something. Yeah, that doesn't so that doesn't make it for a better sport for me. And and there's a big time different. Um, we need to separate the physicality and violence from headshots or cheap shots. Like no one wants to see cheap shots or headshots, and that's not what I'm talking about here. Yeah. But yeah. when I watch a game and I don't see a body check for seven minutes, I'm like, what am I, I watching here? I agree. And, and there's, no and, there's no rivalry either. Right. Exactly. Thanks for the phone call, Brian. And and, and that's where you, you need to kind of separate things when it comes to that conversation. No one's subscribed to the fact that go out and headhunt. Or go out and, and, and take liberties of a player. But when you, when you have the instigator penalty and someone's slashing your wrist, like what happened to Goudreau last year, well... There's no repercussions of it because no one can go in and defend that guy. So you have a lot of stick work. You have a lot of different types of cheap shots that are playing out on the ice, and there's nothing being done about it. And what the solution will they'll come up with is more power plays. Well, look, do I want to watch 60 minutes of power plays every night? Like everything's a penalty. I can't even let the guys play anymore, even when they're. Looks to be some physicality. It's like, oh, punish them, throw them in the box. The, the game has just changed so much, and I don't think it's in a positive way. The text is 105050, the email live at tsn1050.ca. Sorry. Let's go up to Bolton, Alessio. What's going on, bud? You want to talk Blue Jays? Yeah, so I'm in total agreement with you with the, uh, the whole dome situation. I feel like we need a completely new uh, stadium. Like the same way, I don't remember the caller's name or the guy's name that you were talking to earlier, but he was saying they got to tear down the dome. Yeah, him. I was saying I fully agree. If you got to tear down the dome and build a new one, because there's no amount of work that I think we they could put into the dome in order to make make it a, a viable option for people. A lot of my friends aren't big Jays fans, and if we I like the stadium's boring. If you want to go to a game, I have nothing to attract them to go to a game with me because. The Jays aren't playing that well, and then there's nothing really to entertain them with. But I have buddies that want to come with me to Chicago, want to come with me to Boston and New York to see different stadiums. Right. So I, that's, I, want to, I would love a whole open stadium. And people say, you know, with the weather, you can't make it work. But if New York can handle it, I say Toronto can if handle Minnesota it. If Minnesota can handle it, exactly. Toronto can handle it. Exactly. There, there's, there's ways around this, this sort of thing. And you know what? It's going to cost money. It's going to cost investment, but I don't want to hear this organization crying poor. They are doing A-OK. Exactly, and the thing with that, too, is I'm going uh, next month, I'm going to try and get, I'm going to California, I'm going to go to an Angels game, or, uh, yeah, an Angels game, and I want to go to a Dodgers game as well. But uh, I'm only going because I want to see these places. I don't care to see the team. Yep. And I feel like if they had a better stadium here, we would have a lot more people wanting to come see the Jays and see these stadiums have an experience, not just you know, come to watch the Jays. Totally with you, buddy. Great call. Thanks, Alessio. Let's sneak in one more. I, I, I chat longer, but we got Myrtle coming up just in a few moments. Let's go to Stony Creek. Kyle, what's happening, buddy? Hey, not too much. I just want to say about uh, uh, when they originally built uh, the Rogers Center, um, people seem to forget that um, people didn't pay up and the uh, taxpayer had to pay for a lot of the bill and yep. a lot of the, the workers that were left without paychecks. And uh, Sky Dome or Rogers Center is still a lot better place than uh, Exhibition Stadium was, uh, especially in the early springtime. It's still outdated. It was a marvel when it opened up. I, I remember. I remember being 
sitting in the 500 level as a kid, watching the first time that the Dome closed in the middle of a ball game, and no one was watching the game. You were just watching this wonder close before your eyes. Unfortunately, it became outdated quick. And, oh, yeah. and and it happens, and now at this high time for Blue Jays baseball and support, fans are left with an inferior stadium. Like, and and I'm not blaming the Blue Jays organization here. I want to make that clear because they're yeah. doing what they can. I think the flight deck's a great idea. I think the concerts are, are a great idea. They are working what they are dealt with. But at the same time, at some point, you say you got to say instead of investing more into this stadium, let's start fresh. Let's start new. And and when you're making money, like all professional sports teams are, I think you kind of lose your standing on on being able to cry poor for these sorts of situations. Yeah, yeah I just just don't want to see the taxpayer being held up for it. That's right, all. right, I, and and I think that a lot of people would agree with that, Kyle. Thanks yeah. for the phone call. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it, Kyle. Uh, that that's the thing. I mean, BMO Field was built on the cheap, but it was provincial dollars. It was federal dollars. It was municipal dollars that built BMO Field. And I guess that's the latest stadium that's being built. But when you are a wealthy organization, like Rogers is, I mean, you can get it done. Now, the question is where. Like, that's the bigger question for me. And the Portland's area, that is entirely in need of of revitalization. People want to build a casino down there. That area, if you drive through, and I oftentimes go down to Cherry Beach, if the ground isn't too toxic because of what's been done in the past, and and I'm not sure where the city stands on that, that area is ripe for revitalization. And that seems like the most logical place to put a baseball stadium, an NFL stadium if you want to do that at some point. Seems like that's the area. But I, I like, you know, I, I, I don't work for the city. I'm not an engineer, but that seems to be the most logical place to build if you can build. Look, if, if, if the city can go out and sell to developers to build condos every block, then most certainly you can find the area to build a baseball stadium. And let's not forget, Rogers, I believe, paid $25 million for the Rogers Center. It's a drop in the bucket. That's like what Josh Donaldson basically makes a year. <laughs> That's less than what Kyle Lowry makes a, a year. So, again, enough of crying poor. Let's get it done. More of your thoughts coming up a little bit later on this hour. In the meantime, you can text me at 105050. The email is live at tsn1050.ca. The poll question on today's show, the Toronto Maple Leafs with their roster as it stands right now, what are they? Are they a contender, a definite playoff team, a bubble playoff team, or a team that would be looking or be on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs? Let's ask our good buddy James Myrtle. It's been a while since we chatted at Myrtle on Twitter, editor in chief and columnist at the Athletic Toronto, at the Athletic Toronto, doing some fine work for that publication. James, what's happening, buddy? How's the summer? Good. How about you? Uh, it's been solid. It's been quick, but solid. But not done yet, my friend. Um, but like I mentioned earlier in the program, it's always a good time to talk puck. And the clock's ticking as training camp is right around the corner. What do you think, if the Maple Leafs don't make any more moves between now and the start of the season, should we consider this group a playoff team? Should we consider them a contender, a bubble team? What do you consider this group? I think they're 
a little bit better than where they finished last year at 95 points. So, yeah, that would make them a playoff team. You know, it's nothing guaranteed, obviously, and I think there's going to be some teams in the East that got better, that get, that get better. Um, I don't, Florida's not going to be as decimated by injuries. Tampa's not going to be as decimated by injuries. So, you know, there's two examples of teams in their division that are probably going to have better seasons than they did last year. But then I look around and I see other teams that are probably going to take a step back. You know, I could see Montreal taking a step back and Ottawa. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to, I think it's going to be the, the top of the Eastern Conference is going to be a big dog pile again where there's not a lot of separation between what's a wild card team and what's a team that misses the playoffs and what's a team that is at the top of the Atlantic Division. So, you know, every every segment of games is going to be really important. They're going to need to get good goaltending, but I think at the end of the day that, yeah, the Leafs are, are going to be in the playoffs again. I, I look around the league, and just in terms of the moves that were made, there's a lot of parity on paper, is, isn't there, Myrtle? Like, some of the top yeah. teams have had to give up something, go younger, go go more unproven, which kind of plays into the hands of the Maple Leafs, doesn't it? It, it looks like there's an opening there. You know, it really does. I mean... Pittsburgh's probably going to be good again. Washington's probably going to be good again. Those teams are in the other division. The Atlantic, there's an opening there. You know, I mean, I, like I think Tampa's going to have a better year, but they did have to trade away Jonathan Durant. So, and, and they traded him away, as you said, for an unproven guy in, in Sergeyev, who we don't even know if he's going to make the NHL next year. So, it, it's it's real tough to forecast what's going to happen, and I think that that does play into the Leafs' hands because the roster certainly didn't get any worse than it was last year. And they had seven rookies on the team last year. And I think a lot of those kids can take another step forward. And they're going to be much better prepared for the NHL this year. I think a lot of them got tired as the grind of the season wore on. And they've had that summer to not only to recover, but to get ready for what they now know in NHL season, what it's like. So I think we're going to see improved play out of a lot of those rookies this coming season. Is, is, this, is a sophomore slump a real thing, James? No. You don't believe no. in it? No, I don't. Because so many that. times no. you see a player takes take a step back before they take two steps forward. Well, I think what happens is that sometimes rookies will have a surprise rookie season, and then those are the ones that stick in our mind. Oh, is he going to be able to do that again? And it, so it's kind of like the outliers have that great rookie year, and then we remember, oh, they're not quite able to measure up to that. But, you know, I, I look at the second half of the season, and William Nylander just kept getting better and better, and, you know, Austin Matthews really came on at the end of the year, and, I even think guys like Connor Brown and Zach Hyman can take another step this coming season. So, no, I don't think I don't think that that's going to be something that holds the Leafs back. Now, if if they struggle out of the gate, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of articles written about the sophomore slump. But I think generally speaking, that it's uh, it's kind of a little bit of uh, sports writer hokum. Sure, I mean players may struggle. They might not put up like Austin Matthews might not score forty goals next year. It doesn't mean that it's a slump, but his production might not be as great as it was last year. I mean these things happen. I'm less concerned about that than I am the back end. And and this is the weak link in the teams, Myrtle. In the team, Myrtle, you have so many wingers that are NHL capable bodies. Like, doesn't look like Levo, Kapanen, Soshnikov. Like, if you're drawing out your, your your four lines, some of those guys might not be included. So it looks like there's a glut on the wings and not enough on the back end. How surprised would you be if the Maple Leafs do not make a trade, do not make a move before the start of the year? I won't be that shocked, to be honest. I mean, they tried in the summer. I mean, they tried to make a move with some sort of package involving JVR to the Islanders for Travis Hamanek. And, 
you know, they, the organization was really disappointed to not be able to get that deal done because Hammond could have come into their top four, play on the right side, play a shutdown role. And JVR is a guy whose contract is up at the end of this year anyway. And they're probably, I mean, they're not going to be able to bring him back. They're just not going to be able to afford him in their salary structure unless they give up one of their top kids, which doesn't make any sense to do that. So if if a deal like that presents itself where they can move a winger, especially a winger that's not under contract beyond this coming season for a defenseman that can play in their top four, 100% they're going to be in for that. But that's a hard deal to find. You know, defensemen, especially right-shot defensemen, are, are really, really difficult to to become available in the NHL and wingers, it's not the same thing. I mean, there's a lot of them. There's, there's guys like Yager that are just out there for nothing right now in free agency. So is a team going to be willing to give up a really good asset for a winger? I don't think so. Well, James Myrtle joining us on the line with all due respect to Yager. I mean, JVR's twice the player right now. Like sure. he is, you I mean he, he offers so much more value and can offer more value over the long term as well if you can settle on a new contract. I mean, he's the guy that we keep on looking at. My question would be, would the organization be prepared to give up pennies on the dollar, much like the Edmonton Oilers did, not getting value for value in terms of player in getting Larson, trading away Hall, but still the team became better because it was more complete. Would the Maple Leafs be prepared to take back a player who isn't as good as JVR, but but someone who can plug that hole on the back end? Well, and if you're bringing back someone that's also that's not going to be UFA for a little bit longer than JVR, then I think you can stomach that that kind of a move because you're going to have team control of the player. I can't envision a scenario where Van Riemsdyk comes back to be honest beyond this season. So your options are let him play out the final year, go for a playoff run, go try and be a contender with him, and the, and then just let him walk, or you can try and get something for him and bring an asset in and. The thing, too, is that it's not just JVR whose contract's up. Komarov's contract's going to be up. Tyler Bozak's contract is going to be up. So that's three key veteran forwards. Are you willing to lose all of those guys and not get anything in return? And does that make sense when, as you said off the top, they've got a lot of really good wingers that deserve to be playing in the NHL? I mean, if you're Kasperi Kapanen and you start the year in the American Hockey League, you're going to be pretty disappointed because I think he showed all year last year with the Marlies and in his stint with the Leafs at the end of last year that he's ready it doesn't really make sense. So, I mean, the Leafs should punch a hole for a guy like that. They should make a move, especially because they've got those three forwards whose contracts are going to be up. I'm totally with you. Like, how much worse off would the Maple Leafs be if you took JVR out of the lineup and plugged his spot in the lineup with with either moving Connor Brown up or moving Kapanen in or Levo in or Sushnikov in? Like, I don't know how much worse you are if... You try to pr- provide some sort of upgrade on the back end, right? You right. know what I mean? And, yeah, and and the Leafs have cap space to do it too. I mean, they've they've got once they get everyone, once they get Lupo and and Horton both on long term injured reserve, they're probably going to have about four or five million dollars that they can spend. So, you know, there's there's definite flexibility there. I think I think they're going to be patient though. I think they're going to wait for a deal like that, and that can be the kind of trade they make in December or January or right before the trade deadline. You know, I like the idea of potentially bringing in uh, a rental defenseman. If 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 they get to February and they're in reasonable playoff position or they're right there for a wild card spot, you make a move for a rental defenseman that can come in and help your top four if that's the area of weakness that's held them back. So they, they have a lot of options. They have cap space. Um, they have trade bait that they can use. So it, it's going to be real interesting. I just... I don't necessarily think that they have to make this deal in the next six weeks. See, but for all those reasons, that's why I'd be surprised if they didn't make a move. 
because they have that glut at that position. And the fact that it's been suggested that Mike Babcock's prepared to play Ron Hainsey alongside Morgan Riley, that just shows you he might be, the team might be a little bit more flexible, not necessarily bringing in a right-shot defenseman. If you bring in someone that can complement Morgan Riley, no matter who it is, and then slot Hainsley appropriately as a 5 or a 6, I think you're going to be much better off, won't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not surprised. Hainsey played right side for the Penguins in the cup run, so you know that doesn't surprise me that he's going to fit in there. I, I 82 games with Hainsey, though, is Morgan no, Riley's I don't, partner? I, I wouldn't necessarily say we're going to see 82 games of that. I mean, I, but I don't. I think they can go into the year with that, and it's not necessarily a downgrade from the blue line they had last year. I mean, I know that that's not super exciting for Leafs fans, and they want to have a better piece to bring in there, but there's just there wasn't a lot available on the right side on D. So the thing is, I mean, we've talked a lot about JVR being moved out. What if they move out of Leo Komarov and that opens a hole for a, a yep. Kapanen or Andreas Janssen or, you know, they're really happy with the play of some of these, these younger forwards. So, you know, Komarov could be a guy that, you know, he has a little bit of trade value. And, you know, maybe even if you bring in another third pair D and then whichever one plays the best can, can get that coveted spot with Morgan Ryan. Yeah, that, that it's just... The roster as is right now, with Riley, Zaitsev, Gardner, not knowing how Gardner's going to build off last season, but hoping for the best. Hainsey, Carrick, Marinchin, and then maybe Dermot or something. like That just leaves much to be desired, in my opinion, James. And that's what's holding me back from calling this team a definitive playoff group. Well, and I think they need to be you know, looking at their cap situation and looking at their rookies getting better and Patrick Marlowe's age. And I mean, they should be looking at this season as a potential to be a contender and potential being a top, you know, seven, eight team in the NHL. And if they're not, it's likely that the blue line is probably going to be the biggest area of concern. So I'm with you. I just, I don't see that deal there that you can move a JVR for a top four D. I just, I don't see which team out there is going to do that. Good stuff, buddy. How are you spending the rest of your summer? Any big plans? I'm I'm very busy at work, so we have big plans for the Athletic in September, and we're just getting ready for that. Good stuff, buddy. Uh, where can we follow? Where will these announcements be made? Theathletic.com. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. We're uh, the newest sports section in Toronto, and we're trying to do things a little bit differently. So check it out and let me know what you think. I was putting that ball in the tee for you right there, buddy. <laughs> just, just teeing it up, just lobbing it up for you, home run. Well, I, I hope I got past the... The, the short tees. You got so. it out. You got it out of the infield, okay? In, oh, in, in nice. T ball. How's that? Nice. Good stuff, pal. Great catching up. Thanks for this. Yep. Thanks, Wheeler. James Myrtle, editor in chief of the Athletic TO at Myrtle on Twitter. Big things coming with with the Athletic, and we're hoping big things coming with the Maple Leafs as well. I'm not being pessimistic. I think I'm being realistic. Team has too many wingers, and there's a move to be made for me. Keep on weighing in on today's poll question. This Maple Leafs roster, as it stands right now, is blank this season. A contender, a definite playoff team, a bubble playoff team outside the playoffs. I'll let you know the results before the end of this hour. Is it time to make hockey violent again? I say absolutely yes. Violent gentlemen, Quite the brand. George Peros is involved in this brand as well. They have these great hats that are kind of mocking Donald Trump's Make America Great Again. Make hockey violent again. It makes sense to me. It's very basic, something I want to see done. Does it make sense to you? We'll have Mike Hammer, the owner of Violent Gentleman, come on and explain his brand and the movement 
and the response that he's been getting from his gear. That's coming up next right here on Toronto Today. Coffee banged it back the other way to Draper, waiting for his teammates to clear. Draper's hurt. He got leveled by Claude Lemieux, and he is down on the ice. The Vancouver Canucks vowed they were going to get more. They have got them. Oh, Pacioretty is down face first as Chara angled him. And Pacioretty was lined up against the center glass between the two benches. Hockey, obviously a physical sport, oftentimes violent, but more so over the years. It's been trending in the other direction. Is it time to make hockey violent again? What's up, Toronto? Gareth Wheeler with you still to come before the top of the clock. Today's WTFs. Some good ones, some goodies coming your way. That's coming up a little bit later on. The result of our poll question, where you think the Maple Leafs will end up if they keep the roster as is heading into the new season. You can hit me up at WheelerTSN on Twitter. The text is 1050.50. The email's live at tsn1050.ca. You guys have been all over this today. Some great calls on whether it's time to make hockey violent again. And violent means a lot of different things. The physicality in the game of hockey has kind of gone to the wayside. Enforcers, they're kind of a thing of the past. You can watch games where during long stretches of the game where it lacks a level of physicality, it lacks, it, it lacks hitting, it lacks checking, a lot of cheap shots, a lot of like stick work, stuff that you don't want to see, but the stuff you like in terms of physicality isn't, uh, isn't there as frequent as it once was. I wanted to have on this guest because this is a topic that I've been all over all summer long. A lot of my friends on Instagram are showing off their violent gentleman gear. It's a lifestyle hockey clothing brand that embraces, you know, the movement in hockey towards physicality. Violent gentlemen, according to their website, are forged from steel and bound by a code, respect. And that has a big thing to do with how hockey started in the fir- first place. And in particular, there's the one hat that's out there on the market created by violent gentlemen It's kind of in the fashion of the Donald Trump make America great again, but it says make hockey violent again. It's a great hat. No plenty of people that have it. So I'd like to welcome the owner of Violent Gentleman to the program. Mike Hammer joins us on the line at Violent Gents on Twitter. Mike, for our listeners, first of all, thanks for joining us. For our listeners that aren't aware of your brand, perhaps you could pick up where I left off, telling about telling our listeners about basically how this came about and what this movement is all about as well. Wheeler, good morning, bud. How are you doing? Doing well, pal. Doing really well. Doing good, great. That's great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me here. Thrilled to have you, buddy. You know, for us, it's uh, we've always we've always just kind of done what we felt we wanted to do and what we thought was right, and we've just had a lot of people get on the get on the ship with us, essentially. And our whole motto: we never do anything that we wouldn't wear. We never put out anything we wouldn't believe in, and we don't try to push one agenda or this or that. We just we just go the way we feel is right. We take people, whoever's coming with us, you know? Right. I, I love the brand. I love the look. I love the style. And I love what it's all about as well. And it's not just like you guys. It's just a rogue group that believes in this. You have players as well that love the brand and have come on board to at least be affiliated with your gear as well. Isn't that right? 
Absolutely. We've been told uh, it started, the first person that ever said it to us was Sheldon Surrey, and then now we've had many, many people say it to us, and they've, they've come to the brand and they've told us, you put a name on how I've felt my entire life. And that, that to us was like the biggest compliment because they said, you know, I go out for a job, you know, and I'm, I'm rough and tumble in front of the net for 60 minutes, but when the buzzer sounds, I'm picking this guy up and I'm buying him a beer. And we've, we, we feel like that's the way to be. And so we just support it as much as we can. And, and now it's what makes hockey so special is that these guys go out and sacrifice their bodies and do things that normal guys like I can't do. You know what I mean? And, and I think that that is the ultimate level of respect that you can go out there, take a pounding, and deliver it over 60 minutes plus and still go out and have that beer and respect your competitor afterwards. Absolutely. It's the most important thing, and uh, I wish it transcended to the fans a little bit more than it does, but that's, that's a little bit of what we're trying to do is, is you know, we do these events, we do a lot of events, and we bring fans together, and we love just, I love grabbing a guy in, you know, a Leaf shirt and walking him over to, you know, a, a guy in a Bruins thing and being like, hey, first off, you both love hockey. So it's us, it's us against the world. So let's at least band together a little bit and try to act like as the players do. And when the game's over, the game's over. Sure. Mike Hammer, owner of Violent Gentleman, joining us here on Toronto Today. I'm Wheels. To that end, when you do Q&As, and on your website, you've done Q&As with Ryan Reeves. You have one coming up with Derek Englund. Some of the tough guys, the last of the enforcers kind of in the game of hockey today. Do they acknowledge that the game is changing and perhaps not for the better? You know, it's very interesting because I feel like in the league, yes, they absolutely understand that these guys, even the lowest player in the NHL, I think people don't realize are so incredibly talented and smart as far as the the gameplay goes. I don't think they get enough credit. And they're very well in tune with the way things are going. I think we're in a little bit of a uh a little bit of a canoe rock where people were like, uh you know, we want the game to be faster, we want it to be this, that, and we rocked the canoe one way and then it kinda of bit us and it was like, Oh well now the rats are prevailing and so now I think it's gonna kinda of come back it's gonna level out a little bit where I think we're you're not going to see the traditional enforcer anymore, but I think you're really going to see the rise of the Matt Martins, the Matt Boleskis, the guys that will, if they're not scoring, they're still going out and hitting, and, you know, they're good guys in the room. They're keeping the vibe up, and I'm really hoping that's that's the way of the game. I would be very happy with that type of game. See, but you hear so many people kind of say things the other way. I know up here in Toronto, when Martin wasn't made available for the expansion draft, a lot of analysts, a lot of fans were like, well, why are they keeping that guy? I see the value in a Matt Martin. Obviously, the organization does, but there seems to be this movement amongst hockey fans that they're embracing this softening of the game, which I simply don't get, Mike. No, I don't. I don't understand the softening of anything. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree a lot. I think. I mean, I think a lot of things. You know, in the bigger markets, too, the analysts and the fans, they just like to talk. They they got nothing going on, and it's like, what else are you going to talk about? Like, you can only talk about how sick Austin Matthews is for so long. Mm-hmm. You can only talk about how Freddie killed it for so long. Eventually, you have to nitpick, and unless you've won the cup, there's nitpicking to do. Right. 
What's the reaction? Because for me, when I look on Instagram and my buddies are putting up pictures of them wearing uh, make hockey violent again hats and gear, people are loving it. Honestly, it's getting thumbs up. It's getting the clap emoji. People are loving the gear. Have have you received pushback by putting out that message? It's really interesting. The only pushback we ever get is like, say I wear a shirt to uh, like a Whole Foods or something. You get the people that are outside of hockey that don't really get it. Um, but then once you tell them, oh, it's a hockey brand, then, they, then they're on board. But we, I mean, nine out of ten times people are loving it and people support the message. Which I would expect. And, and that, that's why I'm interested, even what the hockey community is telling you because their approach, the way that they're fronting this is that player safety, player safety. I mean, there's so many players now involved in this player safety movement. And we don't want players suffering really serious injuries, but that doesn't mean that you need to take away all the physicality either, right? Like, if you're in UFC, you know what you're getting into when you go inside the octagon. When you're inside a boxing ring, same thing. When you go on a football field, you know what you're in for. And it's the same thing for me. You know how dangerous you are when you step on that ice or how dangerous it is when you step on that ice as well. Absolutely. And I think uh, I think people are a little tough on the league about it, where, whereas, I mean, the league, you know, they're, they're, they're everyone's, everyone's mom and dad out there, where it's like they want to make sure people aren't getting hurt first. Like that's... We we want guys to have long, healthy, prosperous lives after hockey, and and I think that's great. The concussion research, all the stuff, it's like amazing. Let's go straight ahead with that. That's perfect. But I think we're trying to get out of the game, you know, the ratty type of play where a guy is, you know, coming in and hitting someone low or whatever because he knows he's got no, he has nothing to answer to. That's what we're trying to get out of the game. Right. We love safety. We love safety. And that's realistically, I mean, it's like we always say that we support, you know, the uh, the anti-bully because that's essentially the, the enforcer. That's the guy standing up for his team. We're anti the bully. So it's like we're all on the same side. We just need to get the verbiage right. Right. And sometimes that requires a little bit of violence, a little bit of physicality, right? To take Absolutely. away the stuff that you don't want to see. But I wonder why that isn't universally embraced, especially when that's one of the selling points of the game of hockey. Huge selling point. Huge. Across across all channels, across everything. I don't know what it is. It's a very interesting psychology um, where I get why people are anti-violence, and, and that makes that makes great sense to me, you know. Um, but, yeah, the physicality in the game, it's, it's what everyone loves. I mean, you... If you closed your eyes at a game, when do people stand up and cheer the loudest? A fight, a hit, and a goal. So it's like the 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 goal scoring is almost outnumbered to the physicality occurrences as far as cheering goes. Right. Uh, Mike Hammer, owner of Violent Gentleman, joining us here on TSN Radio. I'm Wheeler. Has a player ever come up to you and say, ah, I'm not so into your gear? I'm not into to the message that you're sending? Um, you know, I'll say this. We've had... Uh, We've had a great response. Like guys are amazing, right. and uh, the only thing we've ever had is we had a we had a captain of a team who came to us or who we had sent gear to, and just previous to that, a teammate of his had gotten suspended for something a little dirty, and he said to us, "I love the gear, I love everything, but I need to lead my team and not take the put a 
put a highlighter on what just happened. So for right now, I'm going to pass. I'm going to put it in the closet, and I'll wear it when I go to the cottage this summer. But during the season, I'm going to stray away from this a little bit. And we said, that's fine. You know, we – we understand the role of the captain and what they got to do, and we totally respect that. Right. Do you believe your gear does that, puts a highlighter on it? I mean, it does. We like to think that we like to think that we're just putting a name on how people already feel, and we're not we're not changing anything. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're just we're just discussing how we feel. And it turns out there's a lot of people that feel the same. Well, yeah, well, it'd be great if like a lot more players kind of embrace this idea publicly as well. And a lot of them have on your Instagram page, on your website. And I applaud it because that's the type of hockey that I like. And that mantra resonates with so many people out there. Mike, if people want more information about your gear, want to check it out, where can they go? Where can they find you? Uh, they can head out to VGHC.com. Or uh, they can find us on Instagram, at Violent Gentlemen, uh, Twitter, at Violent Gents. Um, we're very accessible. Uh, if you have any question about anything, feel free to reach out. We'd love to chat with everyone. Love your stuff. We've had a great conversation about it on the program today. Thank you for doing this. Thrilled you could join us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Wheeler. Hopefully see you soon, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Mike Hammer, owner of Violent Gentlemen, at Violent Gents on Twitter. Joining us here on TSN 1050. I I love hearing that players, like, this is what they believe they're all about as well. These guys are warriors. It's not an easy thing to do. Takes a level of courage, a level of buy-in to go out there and sacrifice what they do on a daily basis. But as the game turns into more of you can't touch the guy, when that mentality starts overriding the, the, the physicality, the toughness that the game has been about since the onset, then that's where you have problems. And we in the media, we're guilty of it. We've People have been banging their drums about this for so long. And it's been too loud and too much. And, and the league is bent because of it. Yes, there's positive, logical steps you can take, but don't take away the game that so many people have loved for so long in this country and beyond. WTFs, they're coming up next. Wheeler with you, TSN 1050. What the? They defeat the Toronto Blue Jays 19 to 1. Oh, that's nasty. You come to the rink to see something maybe you've never seen before, and that might be one of those moments. It's only two dudes better than me, and I'm both of them. Stay off the weed. W-T-F. Wheels with you. It's time for W-T-F. We need to start off with Tucker Carlson, don't we? Fox News is a lot of things. This is way over the top. Tucker Carlson, his tongue wasn't even firmly planted inside his cheek. Yet he said this about Donald Trump looking up. Taking a glance at the at, at yesterday's eclipse. The entire country saw at least 60% of the sun covered up by the moon. Even the president saw it, but in a move that is not a complete surprise, he looked directly at the sun without any glasses. Perhaps the most impressive thing any president's ever done. If that's the most impressive thing that any president has ever done, that's setting the bar low and ignoring anything else that any president has ever done, In the history of the United States. No more slavery. Banning slavery. No, no, no. Staring at the eclipse yesterday. That was it. Number one most impressive thing that anyone, any president has ever done. 
Ridiculous. He had to be joking, right? Tucker Carlson, what a beautician. Wayne Rooney scored his 200th goal in the Premier League yesterday. You saw it on TSN in a 1-1 draw, Everton in Manchester City. There was a photo yesterday of Rooney scoring a goal from kind of behind the net. It was kind of facing the supporters' end at the Etihad. Lo and behold, when Rooney put it out on Twitter... There were three Manchester City supporters that reacted to Rooney's goal in the exact same fashion as when he scored a goal with Manchester United in the exact same spot five years ago. They're season's ticket holders, and they're reacting in the exact same way for the goal five years ago and the goal that happened yesterday. That takes a keen eye to find those people, doesn't it? That's crazy how that played out. Uh... Bartolo Colon, everyone's favorite overweight pitcher, joined a prestigious club. The Minnesota Twins pitcher was afforded a nine-run lead over the course of the weekend at Target Field. And the 44-year-old right-handed pitcher became the 18th pitcher since the league expanded in 1998 to beat all 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Bartolo Colon beat the Arizona Diamondbacks. One, I think it's a WTF he's still playing. And two, that he's beat every single team in the league. I think he can eat more than every other single player in the league, but to beat every other team, that is impressive. I don't believe this story whatsoever. Yahoo Sports has published a poll, and it's asking people who they are rooting for. Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor this weekend, or rooting for neither. Apparently, Floyd Mayweather Jr. has more fans than Conor McGregor. 35% of respondents say they're rooting for Floyd. 34% say rooting for neither. 31% say rooting for Connor. I don't believe that whatsoever. There's no chance that more people are cheering for Floyd Mayweather Jr. than Connor McGregor unless you voted or, or, sorry, or bet on Floyd Mayweather Jr. for this weekend. Steve Bannon back at it with Breitbart. They published a story on their website about... The crackdown of illegal immigrants, migrants, making the trek from Morocco to Spain. And how gang members were locked up and hundreds of victims were rescued by boats. Yet, the picture they used was a man on a jet ski, two guys on a jet ski. But the guy that was in behind on the jet ski was World Cup winner and German soccer player Lucas Podolski. He was riding a jet ski halfway around the world from from the setting of where the article was supposedly come from, which was Brazil during the Olympic Games, where Germany and Podolsky won the silver medal. You might want to get your pictures right and not use a popular German footballer if you're trying to make up fake news. Those were today's WTFs. Wow, that's messed up. Uh, it's easy to get out of your car lease at Canada's number one lease takeover marketplace, Leasebusters. Avoid penalties and early termination. Go to leasebusters.com. Today's poll question, all to do with the Maple Leafs. If the roster stays the way that it is, what will they be this season? 52% of respondents say a definite playoff team, 33% a bubble playoff team, 11% a contender. say outside the playoffs. That's all the time. We have Mike Hogan coming up next. Thanks to Joe Narsa. Thanks to Scrizzy behind the glass. On behalf of everyone here at TSN 1050, I'm Gareth Wheeler. Enjoy the rest of your day, Toronto.